Welcome everyone to a video version of Pop Cannon. Weird. Uh, this is episode 37. My name is Jordan. I am Robert. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is a very interesting time. So we figured we had a little extra time on our hands. So why not try video out? Um, sure. Who could it hurt? Obviously, we're down a couple people we're down, here. We're down at least one, but definitely two. Yeah. So, so uh, Robert and I decided that we're going to give you guys a review of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. Yes. I'm so excited. Uh, Kevin Smith, if you're following us on our uh, PK 30 Day Challenge, uh, I put him as my favorite director. I got a little bit of shit for it, actually, uh, <laughs> which I understand. Um, but I tried to, I really tried to just think of somebody who's, I've seen almost all of their films and Kevin Smith's, I think I'm, I've not seen two or three of the litany of films he's directed. So that's why I picked him because clearly I like him if I'm watching all his shit. So that's true. Uh, also a big fan of Kevin Smith. Um, obviously for me being like a filmmaker and everything, he's one of the indie darlings, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, so big fan of him and couldn't wait to see reboot after he announced it. Yeah. And you saw it in the limited release it had in theaters. I did. Uh, that original <laughs> Thursday night showtime, yeah. I believe it was. And then uh, I saw it as part of the reboot Roadshow. Because he did a a viewing of it 10 minutes from my door, which is the weirdest happenstance ever. Um, so it was super exciting to go see him in person, actually, and then watch the film with a group of people that are so invested in him that they spend $50 a piece on seats. Like I did. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the the best part about all of that is like he sits and talks with you and like talks for basically the length of the film and now you had never watched the movie prior to that viewing correct? no and i i pre-ordered the blu-ray i received the blu-ray like three weeks to a month before my my viewing was supposed to happen um but i refused to watch it until because i wanted to see it fresh in that crowd because I thought it'd be way more interesting to see it fresh in that crowd. And it was. Totally was. Um, and he prefaced the film. He came out in his Barney the Dinosaur blazer. And told everybody what they were about to see, basically. And kind of talked a little bit. Um, and then we watched the film. And then he spoke for over 75 minutes after the fucking credits rolled. Um, <laughs> which... He his like stage manager person had these cards that had numbers on them for time, and he was in the middle of answering I think his fourth question, um, and he looked over and he was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, we're at seventy five minutes." So he had to wrap it up, and then he's like, "I'll just keep talking until they kick us out," and they basically kicked us out. So, oh wow! But there were people that were leaving mid Q and A because it was a Thursday. Yeah. So, how late was it at that point? I don't. Because what time did it start? Us, they made us shut our phones off. I have no idea what time it was. 
Okay. And but like we... what time what time was it like the start time on the uh, ticket? Like seven PM or something? I think it was it was seven or eight. Okay. And then I think when we left there it was like eleven thirty almost midnight. So <laughs> there was a lot of like for fifty bucks. Yeah. Totally worth. Totally worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, um, it was great. I'm super jealous. But like you said, I saw it in the theater during that limited release, which was pretty cool because he actually came out on screen mm-hmm. and him and Jay kind of cool. introed the movie, which was really cool. We got some behind the scenes photographs that they Ken yeah. Burns did and everything. And he just talked for like five minutes, maybe. But obviously it was nowhere to the level of like seeing it live, but it was yeah. still cool to see him come out and do his thing kind of. Yeah. And it was, I mean, he works a crowd. Like it's just like listening to one of his podcasts, which is another reason that I'm such a big fan of his. Um, so like just having, I've heard. And the, the crazy thing is that I heard some of the stories that he was giving us there on one of his podcasts previously. So I like knew the story before he told it, which I thought was great. But it's cool like having him there telling it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was great to just listen to again, but I was like, I know what he's gonna say. This is a good one. That's cool. <laughs> so uh let's get into initial thoughts on the film, you know, like your your first viewing of it, what'd you think? I had such a great time um, I thought it was hilarious in a lot of ways and it had a lot of heart, but he, I think he doesn't get enough credit for writing a lot of heart into his movies. Um, but this one definitely had an emotional core to it, which was, which was awesome. Um, but it was, I mean, the jokes were hilarious and, and I liked way more of it than I didn't like. I had one like glaring issue and everything else I was cool with. Yeah, uh, we'll get into, like, dislikes and stuff later, but my first initial reaction after seeing it was I loved it. I think it's my favorite Kevin Smith movie at this point. Um, Granted, I haven't seen Dogma in a very long time. Uh, I spent $40 on the (laughs) Blu-ray. And I think I've only seen Dogma... uh, like on comedy central or something mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. way back in the day. So I think watching it now, I'd be able to appreciate it a little bit more. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, I mean, reboot as a whole, fantastic movie. Uh, yeah. A lot of fun. Like you said, a lot of heart, uh, just a straight up good time. And like, you could tell the energy that they had on set, like everyone was having a great time. Like yeah, yeah. they're just delivering jokes and, yeah. and they're like ad libbing <laughs> and everyone just seemed like they had the time of their lives making this movie. Yeah. Well he, he said that this was the, this is going to be the best movie and the best cast he's ever able to get together because everybody was, uh, he was guilting them into doing it cause he didn't die. So yeah as he uh stated (laughs) within the film itself um i guess let's let's talk about that really quick just like the self-awareness of the movie the premise of the film itself is part of the joke yeah like the the whole thing is it's a it's a reboot but it's a parody of 
rebooting and they ex- the way that they explain in the comic shop what a reboot is is literally what happens in this movie because they add that group of girls that are multi-ethnic rather than from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back where it was all white women like they did the exact thing that they expressed what that is. like like on that level f- fantastic um but yeah I mean the scene in the comic shop is amazing well, I and, mean, it's basically like Strike Back, where yep. he's explaining the internet yep. to them. So yep. it was fun to revisit that and talk yeah. about like <laughs> the Marvel movies and shit like that. The 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 part where uh, they were like, "Who would spend money to see a Kevin Smith movie?" and they look at the camera, the fucking crowd lost it in the theater, lost it in the theater. That's awesome. But, I mean, they were losing it for every time somebody popped up. And not just, like, celebrity cameo. They uh, The crowd that I saw it with lost it for, like, a view of Skewniverse people. Yeah. Like, as soon as Dante's on screen. Huge roar from the fucking crowd. It was awesome. And he told us, the first person you're going to see is going to make you cheer, and I'm going to send a video to the person so he can see that everybody loves him from Baltimore and <laughs> we didn't know who necessarily it was. And then it was, so everybody lost it. And I think maybe he was playing it up a little bit to get the crowd kind of hype too, you know? Yeah. Oh, you're going to lose it when you see this guy. And then no matter who it is, you're like, fuck it's him, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was, it would do. It was so great. It was so great. Yeah. The, and, and there's just so many people showing up for this thing. Uh, not just like you said, the cameos, but like, the different view askew universe like characters yeah uh we got like a ton of of fun memorable moments from this movie who was your favorite (laughs) main character cameo that you saw so i know they're not he's not technically part of the view universe, but Justin Long's cameo. <laughs> well, he d- he is now like, well, right this is now his, he is th- the gay lawyer. Yeah. Well, this, this was his character from Zach from, and Miri. Yes, exactly. And exactly. Uh, him Which, just like, yeah. Hamming it up on screen. So funny, dude. Yeah. That uh, was, like it started it off in a way that like was like made it really funny. And kind of gave you the tone of what the movie was going to be. And then there's the Power Rangers joke in there. Dude, Uh, the Power Rangers joke (laughs) fucking got me. They're like, remember that episode where the Red Ranger turned into the Gold Ranger? (laughs) And they were like, that was a later season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, it's so funny. Like, because Saban Films produced this. Yeah. So. We're more of a, a, what did he say? Like a multimedia company company I love the voice that he does for that character. Yeah. So that's it's, like... I'm the dick wolf of getting guys off with my mouth. And he like winks at them. <laughs> so great. So great. Because he... What did he say? It was uh, his his grinder name was Dick Wolfer or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Dick Dick Wolfer. <laughs> On grinder. He said it like three times. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. I love so much about it. Uh, yeah. The uh, but like him getting up, sticking with the courtroom scene for like a little while, because like I wrote down, 
the the part when he gets up and walks around to the, to other, the side. other table. <laughs> and Jay was hilarious in that scene. Hilarious <laughs> in that scene because he was like, "Wait, we're the defendants now." Like he had no idea what was happening. <laughs> Wait, we are. We are. <laughs> And They're then, paid uh, actors. Yeah, like he got them to sign the documents at the very beginning. And Silent Bob was like, maybe, you know, shouldn't we read them? And he's like, fuck that. He's our lawyer. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's so many good moments. I think for me, one of the funniest, like, moments of the whole film was when it cut to Kevin Smith and he's doing the Omaze ad. Like on the computer when they look it up and he's like, hey, everyone, what's going on? It's Kevin Smith. And he's like hamming it the fuck up. And he's like, you could win a a chance to like come to the premiere and be on this stuff. And it's just so funny, like and self-aware of like you've seen stuff advertised on Omaze on like a YouTube ad or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's just clever. And I love shit like that. I okay. So I don't have a problem with the Omaze ad. But him being so involved as a character. Oh, as Kevin Smith? As Kevin Smith, as a character in the film, was my least favorite part of the movie. Oh, really? I just... I get that it's one less person to pay. (laughs) Which is probably why he did it, because he's Mr. Shoestring Budget. Uh, But I just... The whole thing with him... like, and I, I like the joke that he looked like Silent Bob, but it just it became overly self-aware at that point and it really bugged me. And even in the, like with that crowd of people, I was like, Oh, I don't like this. I don't <laughs> like this at all. See, I loved it. I thought it was funny. Uh, Cause you're I mean, tr- like I laughed. Uh, trust me. I laugh at it. Cause it like, it's ri- it's not written bad. I just, no. it's one of those things. Like I wouldn't give it a pass in any other movie. No, So I just, I was like, oh, I don't like that part. That's fair. I just like it as a way to, like, self-deprecate yourself, because it's something I would do. Right, right. No, it was definitely self-deprecating, because nobody said anything nice about him at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, there, how about how about um, the brief cameo by his uh, podcast partner? Ralph uh, Garman. Ralph Garman. The the fucking <laughs> the credit card guy, <laughs> him in the elevator, yeah. coming out and just like screaming his head <laughs> off. I'm gonna read this to you real slow and in public. Right, nine four one five, <laughs> and then that becomes their alias for like ninety yeah. percent of the movie. Yeah, because they're using his credit card to uh, use uh, what what was the app called? Ride me now. Right. Yeah. Ride me now. Instead of yeah. Uber or Lyft, it's Ride Me Now. <laughs> and, <laughs> it is Ride uh, Me Now. Molly Shannon playing a character named Jolene, so he could get a joke <laughs> in about the lyrics of the song Jolene by Dolly Parton. Uh <laughs> which is so fucking like like he did that for nobody but himself. Yeah. Joke, you know? Yeah. Uh which I love. I love that. Um, we also but, got in that scene her being like Oh, there's a weight problem. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So like he got to dig the, the that Southwest one in on night. the airline. <laughs> well, it's South Best Airlines. Right. right. So, uh What are but, you saying this motherfucker's too fat to fly? <laughs> but uh the speaking of the the ride me now, uh 
app, the the logo for it. Yes. <laughs> was clever as hell. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, whoever designed that props because it could work either way as Mm -hmm. like oh that looks like a legitimate business but like (laughs) it's one of those pictures where it's like oh do you see these dolphins or do you see right people kissing or a duck or a rabbit yeah 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 Yeah. i was just like dude this is weird but yeah the ride me now logo hilarious uh props to that graphic designer and then uh their ride me now driver fred armison the creator of hater tots hater tots he's so funny he's such a funny dude dude i don't have you watched portlandia i've seen episodes we've watched some stuff together i remember being with joe and watching stuff in his backyard and stuff i fucking love that show so much and i mean obviously him on snl him on portlandia i even watched his stand-up special on netflix which was less a stand-up special and more like musician jokes for musicians um (laughs) but it was funny like it was funny i don't know exactly what he's talking about but it was good um he's so fucking funny and he looks dead like my dad's father so (laughs) really yeah when he was younger there's like pictures of my grandfather that i'm like why is that fred armison (laughs) but yeah him being him being their uber driver and like the story about how he's their they're their his first ride since somebody <laughs> shit in the back of his his car and it's really hard to clean shit out of pleather uh hilarious and Dude. then they they smoke the entire time in the back and he's like you're not smoking cigarettes <laughs> yo guys those cigarettes are making me you know like they're getting to me a little bit they're a little smelly and they're like yo this is this isn't cigarettes. And and that whole scene where they get him to smoke because he was like, oh, I've always been nervous that I was going to get busted. I think that's definitely a subconscious thing that Kevin Smith thought to himself before oh, he started smoking weed. For sure. For sure. And he started smoking weed on Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Yep. Because of Seth Rogen. So, and it changed his life. It did. It did. Very much so. Let's talk about the the Matt Damon as Loki scene. <laughs> it's it was good as a buffer. Yeah. Um, Obviously there was like a schedule thing where he couldn't be there. Yeah. But it was it was a like it the lines were good and he delivered it fucking hilariously. Yeah. But it had no place in the movie. <laughs> no, but it was just like that's just like one of those fun nods. Yeah. Yeah. That in this kind of movie I can give passes to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's not meant to be taken seriously. No. It's like uh, Easter egg the movie. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. That's the way I view this film is yeah. just fan service. Totally. And it was really good in that regard. Because if you like any of his movies, there's something in here for you, which is great. Oh, seeing Jen, seeing his wife in the movies that they go to uh so that was kind of cool nice little nice little way she, to... yeah she she had she's had roles in other ones of his movies obviously clerks too yeah yeah and uh stuff like that but this i mean this one was probably her funniest turn yeah other other I than so. strike back i think because she was involved in it just overall longer um but in this she's the manager of that movies that they go into and 
she has herself a vegan in the bathroom. <laughs> While uh, Jay sees his ex baby mama, we find out, on the news and completely loses his mind in the middle of a fucking fast food restaurant dude <laughs> meanwhile fred armiston is running around in the background yeah yeah and i just like he immediately <laughs> like no bullshit immediately put his fingers in his mouth <laughs> and i fucking lost it and then after that it was just like everything else was funny yeah. and then she gets behind him and his fucking eyes cross <laughs> so good oh that scene was so like played so wonderfully awkward yeah yeah because when he comes back he's just fingering his mouth and humping the air yeah (laughs) and yeah the girl behind the counter i think that was kate micucci was like are you okay (laughs) (laughs) um and then we eventually meet harley quinn yes we meet her character millennium falcon yeah <laughs> or millie well, for short which yeah. i like for fall what was the last name fall falconer or something like that no it's just fal it's just falcon falcon but it's like f-a-u yeah like they spelled it like a last name not yeah. falcon like the bird which is even better for me <laughs> and i thought so i saw a comment because one of the companies that helped produce this was legion m And they're like a fan-owned company that produces stuff and people buy in. And I I don't know exactly how the rest of it works, but they did the the Blu-ray pre-order that I bought. And I got... I remember seeing that. I got the Chronic Con lanyard with it. Um, And they were prevalent, like, in the the, uh, credits and shit. So I think most of the people that were on that stage at the end... I think those are probably Legion M people that were promised a thing if they bought in so much money or something like that. Oh, maybe. Um, in the comments on the Legion M post about the Blu-ray release were people like shitting all over Legion M. I remember seeing something about and that. And I was like, dude, what the fuck? People are like, oh, I don't know. if I, I, I pre-ordered it. I never received my copy. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. Um, but one of the posts about the Kevin Smith stuff... Uh, this a few commenters in a row so it wasn't like a thread where they were talking to each other but individual people commented how he can't write for a young woman and this movie suffered as a result of that and i just couldn't wait to talk about this with you because i was like i vehemently disagree with that statement i think if anything harley quinn's character was probably had the most to do and grow into this role like as the film progressed and also if it wasn't written well for a young woman his fucking daughter of all people would have told him it sucked yeah absolutely uh (laughs) she was one of the most fleshed out characters of the whole movie and i think she might have been my favorite character aside from jay and silent bob okay yeah like like because obviously we're meeting her for the first time. We met a bunch of new people right. too. Right. And she was the best out of all of them, in my opinion. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Her performance was really, really well done. The point when she flips out on them and they, they pull the knife on them. 
fantastic. She sold that so well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. She, yeah, she just has the attitude and the the wherewithal and then the emotional scenes like that scene with her and Jay where they're talking at the con. Yeah. Made me emotional. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things he talked about afterward. And he talked about it at length. She didn't need to be there because it was a it was a over the shoulder one shot. But she insisted on being there and running the lines with Jay. And he wasn't supposed to like it wasn't in the script for him to start crying in that moment oh, really? at, all, at all. But her playing it to him made him emotional. So it got this whole thing and she was and she that was her idea to be there because he was like, what are you doing? You don't have to be here for this. And she was like, I have to be here for my fellow actor. Like she took it super fucking seriously. It wasn't just like I'm in my dad's movie. Yeah. You know, she took it as as a serious acting role because that's what she wants to do. And she was in Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood that Quentin Tarantino directed. Okay, that's cool. So, and she won, and she won that role. He doesn't know Quentin. She, oh, really? She, he told this story too. She uh, auditioned for it and didn't hear back for like a month. And she definitely thought she didn't get it and she was super depressed about it. And then they called her and said that she needed to be on set the next day. I don't know if they lost somebody, but apparently Quentin really liked her. That's cool. Because he doesn't give you something to read. You have to write something. Really? Is what, is that's what Kevin Smith said. His daughter had to write a thing. And she didn't even ask him to write a thing for her. She wrote a thing herself and performed it for her dad and then went and performed it for Quentin Tarantino. And they made room for her in their thing and brought her into it. Wow. So I would not be surprised if in the next Quentin movie she's in it in some way because once he likes somebody, he, he fucking s- makes sure that he fits them in. Yeah, he sticks so. with it. I feel like every director has like a, a core team yeah. that they like working with. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. Was she good in it? She, I mean, it, she didn't have a huge role. Oh, but okay. the parts that she was in, I was like, oh, fuck, that's Harley Quinn Smith. Like, as if I know her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, That's I'm cool. happy for her. I don't fucking know who she is. Yeah. But, like... I think, she, I think she definitely, like, stood out in this movie. Yeah. And, and, like, that's such a huge movie to get a cameo debut thing in. Yeah. Because a lot of people saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And a lot of people love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she's in that. So, forever, she's going to... They're going to be like, that's Kevin Smith's daughter. You know that's what I mean? Cool. So that's, that's I mean, cool. that's that's awesome. And then she got to have a fucking breakout performance here. So what was your favorite scene in the whole movie? It has to be the Affleck scene. Same. The Affleck scene, ha- because that's the emotional Same. turn of the movie. Mm-hmm. That's like where everything gets, you know, that's the part where we're coming back now and we're we're hitting completion on the 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 storytelling arc you know we're we're at 45 minutes to go at that point yeah um and affleck fucking killed that monologue dude (laughs) holy fuck so good so good and that kevin smith explained wasn't even in the original picture 
at all. Well, I remember I remember hearing that because they weren't on good terms. He didn't think that he would be able to get Affleck, so he didn't write him into it. Yeah. And then the way that he explained how it happened, and it's probably way too long a story to go into, but there's a guy, I won't do the whole thing because I don't know it exactly, but the, there's a guy who is a really big fan of Kevin Smith who interviews a lot of people in Hollywood for different film roles that they have. And he always asks a question related to a Kevin Smith movie before they get into their interview. And he just happened to be interviewing Affleck and asked him about something, whether it was chasing Amy or dogma or whatever. And Affleck's like, you know, I haven't talked to him in like 10 years. And that guy got them back in touch. That's cool. Cause they told Kevin while they were filming this, cause they were already filming this. And this, a lot of the stuff that you see in the credits with them running around from Diedrich Bader, uh, that was what that scene originally was. Like the okay. lens flare line yeah. about, there's more lens flare in here than fucking JJ. You know, that is what the Affleck scene replaced. Oh, wow. Okay. So there, they then they started talking and Kevin, ran, he had to text this number that he doesn't have in his phone and hope that it's ben affleck how do, how do you ask if it's ben affleck yeah right so i forget how he said he worded the text but it was hilarious and then he responded ba and then said who is this and then kevin smith said something that and then they just started fucking talking was he, he like fucking, ks i don't know if he did ks but he did something that would like indicate i think that he said him. sb yeah something like that and yeah. he fucking knew who that was, you know, like, which was just so, so crazy. But he got fucking real misty talking about it because he was he's touched that they're friends again. Yeah. Well, I know, so, like, there's there's a whole, like, personal level to that. And so seeing him in the film, like, I had no idea, obviously. So the first time I'm watching it, seeing Holden. Yeah. When they walk into that room, I was like, holy shit, here we yeah. go. Yeah. All right. And then they had the whole chasing Amy thing, which I thought was so beautifully written. And it was like the best payoff for those characters. Absolutely. To follow up with like 20 with... years later almost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That it was such a great, such a great bow on the chasing Amy story. So great. And then the fact that he named his daughter, Amy. Yeah. Which was, which was fucking, he's like, now I live my life chasing Amy. Like I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that was, uh, Jay's daughter. Yes. In real life, which was cool. That, he explained that when they did Jay and Silent Bob strike back, I guess Harley Quinn Smith was a child and Jay interacted with her in it. So then he was like, he felt like he was paying it off that now Jay's daughter gets to interact with them that you was know, cool like, and like that whole monologue talking about like his kids and how his perspective has completely shifted like i'm not a parent but it made me think of my nieces and i got super emotional and and like i actually started to like get teary-eyed mm -hmm, during it mm -hmm. and i know like for you yep because you are going to be a father very soon, very within soon. the next like three months. So soon. <laughs> how did that, especially watching it back now, like the second time, how did that play for you? Gut punch. 
absolute gut punch because I was like, fuck, because everything was so everything was so real because the best my favorite thing about Kevin Smith dialogue and movies and stuff is like, that's how we talk. You know what I mean? It's this isn't like it's not highfalutin English. This isn't this is like how we talk to each other is saying all of these nasty fucking horrible things and joking constantly and shit like that. Like that's how we talk to each other. So hearing from him describe what that is, you know, like he, he, he basically tried to explain what fatherhood slash parenthood to a lesser extent is for him. Cause like all these characters and now I'm, you know, the, the foundation thing. Like, I think that was what it was like, Oh, I'm the stage and she's the show. Yeah. Right. Like that fucking explanation. I was like, Oh my God. When it's like, I'm, I'm no longer Batman. I'm Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, although I can't remember the mother's name. And he looks into the camera. That was fucking (laughs) amazing because that to me, like that's the way that you undercut a, an emotional sequence with a, with a joke like that. Yeah. You know, you but don't it have wasn't to do like, it the entire movie. No. Marvel. Uh, <laughs> make sure that it's nobody true. feels anything. Just want to be lie? numb and fun. Where's the lie? <laughs> but it but it was like a subtle joke. It was. It wasn't like a complete, let's make fun of the situation. Nope. It was like, let's make fun of a line of dialogue or something else. Right. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. We're going to move on. Yeah. His mother. What was her name? And then he just like, <laughs> <laughs> so good. So yeah, good. Ben Affleck stole the show for me in that that scene. Absolutely. Alone. I'm so glad that they were able to put that together. Yeah. So glad that they were able to put that together. And he he traveled down there. Like he was like, oh yeah, I'll I'll come down and fucking <laughs> went down to when they were filming. <laughs> That's cool. They didn't have to do it like. At some other point, it was, yeah, you know, like, on a green which, screen or right, whatever. Right. He was like, "Yeah, I'll come." That was rad. <laughs> That's rad. Um, what did you think of the like the group of teenage girls in the film? I thought that they did a great job at being exactly what they were supposed to be. I agree. Which was have a little bit of heart represent what reboots are and sort of be a parody of that themselves, but not in an insulting way. No, the line that he towed with that, I think it was masterfully tiptoed on because <laughs> it was yeah. never insulting and they wound up saving the day anyway. Um, because of what he wrote all of them having issues with. Because <laughs> everybody was like, not only were they all young women of color that were replacing everybody else, but they all had like a problem. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like the one's deaf and the other one doesn't talk to anybody because she's Chinese and she's recording a podcast, but she's secretly Russian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a whole thing. <laughs> What'd you think of that twist? Uh, definitely didn't like the uh, glow Allison Brie esque Russian accent that the girl was doing. 
I thought it was like goofy as hell, but like, yes. like I said, within the context of this movie, You're it's, at, it's very fine. over the top the way I it mean, is. there's a character named, what was his name? The Fister or whatever the fuck? Uh, Cockknocker. Cockknocker. And then he's like, oh man, he fisted him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, her name was She and You, which yeah. I was like, is that like a Green Arrow reference for Leanne You? Probably. Uh because, like I said, it's Easter Egg the movie, mm-hmm. so why not throw a run that he is famous for writing in comics, throw yep. a nod to that. Yeah. Because this is, like, this is the movie he made after his heart attack. This is the movie that he wanted to put his all into, and I know he's said that, like, this mm-hmm. is everything he's learned as a filmmaker over the course of 20 years. Yeah, and if this, was his last mo- if this was his last movie, that like, he would be totally happy. Yeah. Because he got to do everything, and then he was able to put his daughter over. Yeah. It was cool to see, like, Method Man and Red Man in there. That was such a great fucking cameo. Such a great cameo. That's when they're knocked out from the edibles. Yes, which I thought was hilarious. They're like, you (laughs) don't think that we could handle edibles? And then all of a sudden they pass out. And they're asleep. (laughs) Like, instantly. Yeah. But, like, my favorite part about that is, like, when you when you overdose on marijuana edibles, you go to you don't go to heaven or hell or purgatory. You go to Method Man's backseat. <laughs> <laughs> like, and their dude, their lines were hysterical. But having them in it was also a payoff of an earlier joke where they said the best film in cinema was How High. Yeah, and I used to watch How High when I was like twelve all the time. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's fucking hilarious, actually. It's actually fucking hilarious. And I'm pissed that I think it's on Netflix or something like that. How High 2 is available, but not How High. And it's like with new rappers, so who gives a shit? Yeah. But (laughs) How High 1 with Method Man and Red Man, hilarious fucking film. And I watched it when I was a kid strictly for the humor. I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know what the hell. I was like, oh, okay. That No idea. No idea. I just thought it was funny. That's great. I, yeah, I'm going to have to like find Figure a way to watch, watch that. that. <laughs> so if you're listening or watching this and you know how to watch if it's how streaming <laughs> somewhere, let us know. Um, yeah, fuck. I would love to watch How High again. How have we not mentioned the KKK scene yet? <laughs> So the hater tots. uh, (laughs) It means different things to different people. So fucking funny. Like it's, it's funny to the point where like, it definitely doesn't really make sense, but it's fucking hilarious. Like white nationalists really enjoyed hater tots. So he had to close his entire business because those were his only customers, even though he was trying to get teenage girls to eat it because they love, (laughs) Uh, tiger beat he said <laughs> 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 but like hater tots. that monologue by by silent bob well yeah he was doing glengarry glen ross yeah, yeah. always be ducking <laughs> and then who's the head of the kkk chris fucking jericho yeah like did not see that coming. And when you I was in not, the theater the first time see? and I did not. 
not see? I did not see? see that coming. You oh. did not see. Oh, I see what you coming. did there. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's so hey, funny. You said I was going to be a father. I have to practice, dude. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but now, like when he lifted up his the hood, I laughed for five minutes straight, like out loud. <laughs> I was just giggling the whole time in the theater. Because you know, like it, the greatest thing about that is, like I know who Chris Jericho is. Like, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. So like, and knowing how his personality is and stuff like that, to see him in a role like that, hilarious, because he has the comedic timing. Yes. Amanda, so, Amanda, when we went to see it, was drifting off throughout, like in person. Well, it's a Thursday night. Yeah. It was a Thursday night. She was up at like five o'clock in the morning, um, and it was at that point eight. Normally, she's like passed out already. So she's in she, bed. Um, yeah. So she, when we watched it back last week on Blu-ray, she was like, "Is that Chris Jericho?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." And I was like, "Oh shit, you missed this whole scene! Oh my god." So fucking funny. Yeah, it was like such a ridiculous turn. Like for like I'm just picturing Kevin Smith like writing this and being yeah. like, let's just throw some KKK members in there. White power yeah. because the the well, hater tots to, and they're paying well, it off. I think it I think it was part of the reboot thing <laughs> where like white men are villains. So he, he wrote like the most villainous white men of all time into it to pay off for the group of girls that he had. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you think of the blunt man V chronic, uh, like special look at so fucking funny. It's Melissa Ben Wast and, uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. <laughs> I love like Kevin Smith as silent Bob using his phone throughout the movie to only show you one emoji, but he's typing away, typing away. And it's one big fucking emoji is funny, but they pay it off in the blunt man V chronic where he does the same thing and he shows his phone. It's (laughs) the angry face and then the V. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking funny. And then they, they pull the, the Batman v Superman gag where he fires the canister and it grabs her, like she grabs it. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because she's Supergirl and we right. had Batman versus Supergirl <laughs> instead of Batman v Superman. And then it's she's so just like, oh, Indigo. <laughs> you bastard. And fucking passes out. Because <laughs> <laughs> she got super chill. Yeah. I loved <laughs> I, I w- honestly I wish that they had filmed more of that because I just want to see I want peel I want to peel that back a little bit because Bluntman v Chronic is the most hilarious fucking way to reboot Bluntman and Chronic <laughs> like that's fucking amazing because you know that was just that that's the type of thing that's born out of a yeah and conversation yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely it just keeps yeah and the reboot is called blunt man v chronic instead of and they're like yeah and and we'll have supergirl play like and they just kept stacking okay. it and yeah. then they had uh uh fucking tommy chong was alfred yeah <laughs> hilarious 
Which, like, what a great way to to pay off that these have turned into. Because I don't know that they necessarily. I mean, they were, I guess, from the beginning, stoner comedies. Even though, like, Kevin Smith wasn't necessarily one himself. No. <laughs> he was still writing into that world. Yeah. Um, but, like, he now gets. Now he has enough clout to get Tommy Chong, the, like, innovator of the stoner comedy yeah. <laughs> to appear in his stoner comedy where there's a reboot happening of a film based on stoner characters that are based on stoners it's <laughs> it's such a, la- a layered thing i and love he's it just like well maybe we shouldn't fight man like <laughs> <laughs> Honorable mention goes out to the part where Jay is talking in Dothraki <laughs> during the fight. Because when that started, Cheyenne lost her shit sitting next to me. She laughed so loud in that theater. It was amazing. And it made me laugh harder because it, it like, popped her for it. Dude, it was so fucking out of nowhere. And it's like perfect. It was He's... perfect fucking Dothraki. He was just like, Dorogetis! <laughs> the subtitles pop up at the bottom of the screen. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Oh. God. It's so good. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Like a sec- for a second time, I forgot about that. That was great. <laughs> that scene was so fucking funny. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. It, and like the, I loved when they walked into the con, and they saw all the people dressed as the two guys that they're with, and they didn't realize that it was supposed to be that or something. Well, they were like, or, "Are, are you, like, why are, why are you, dressed you dressed like, like all like, these people?" And they're like, "These people are dressed like us." Yeah, but you would think Fun. like, if they were big fans of Jay and yeah. Silent or, or Blunt Man and Chronic. You think that they would be like, why do these two meth heads, as they kept calling them, yeah. but they're just from Jersey, um, <laughs> which that line popped me. Uh, <laughs> hey, wouldn't buddy. you think that they would be like, why do they kind of look like Blunt Man right. and Chronic's like alter mm-hmm. egos or whatever? Yeah, that was one of the things that was like, what the fuck? But, but I mean, I think maybe it was because it was the the asian girl's dream to go yeah unless there wasn't necessarily theirs they were just trying to get her there yeah but the the hot topic thing was fucking great with adam brody (laughs) yes (laughs) they gave him a fucking wig and some eyeliner and he was just like (laughs) the whole time he's got like lip piercings and his hair is in his lip piercing and stuff (laughs) he keeps trying to go like this (laughs) Oh man, and like the and because he had gotten a deal with Hot Topic to do all his shirts and shit. That's cool. Yeah, so that's why they got they got to actually put that brand in there. That whole Chronic Con concept is hilarious, and like yeah. the fact that they were walking in on panels, like yeah. with Jason Biggs <laughs> and stuff. Uh, that was great. Yeah, that was good. Then there was the Comic Book Men panel where. Uh, Ming. What was his, Ming was reading like his diary or like a poem. It was like about a poem the end, about the end of comic book man. <laughs> and then uh, there was the the clerks reunion panel, and it was in black and white, which I thought was hilarious. 
Yep. Like that was a great moment. Yeah. Um, and then they turn into black and white and they scream. And they're just like, ah! <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah I, like I, the Affleck scene is what really saved the movie, not saved it, but like gave it a, a more serious note, a more emotional note. Yeah. It made but, it mean more. Yeah. I and, think between that and the uh, Millie J stuff, like the yeah. father daughter dynamic scenes. The, just the, the, what sucks is that how great the Chronicon stuff was and probably how much it cost to set all that up. They had to sacrifice that to get the Affleck moment in there. Cause there's yeah. a lot more play in the Chronicon stuff without that scene. But the scene is necessary to make the scene, the movie itself better. So like, I'm glad that he was able to to I guess recognize that and it was just like nah I need this whole thing in here. Yeah. But like that was one of the things that was also one of the reasons and it's a different role obviously than director and writer, but one of my favorite things about Kevin Smith is that he fucking edits his own movies. I thought the editing was uh, like exceptional. Like the whole film I thought start to finish everything made sense every one of his films he edits them himself and they're f- the editing is fucking immaculate. Mm-hmm. immaculate the sound mixing like everything like all of it looks perfect and it plays perfectly and i um, and i think the reason that he edits them himself is like one probably not the biggest reason but like it's a selfish thing he's like i'm not going to give this to somebody else i know what i wanted yeah. out of this that's the and, way I am. But, like, I think the second reason is that originally he didn't know that he wasn't not wasn't supposed to, but, like, that, that somebody else could do it. Yeah. When you don't have a budget, you're like, well, I got to do more of these jobs. So <laughs> yeah. that's the reason why he fucking, he edits them himself. Well, you I and think. I have made movies together. Like, we've done basically every single aspect that there is to do. Yeah. Because you have to, and it's crazy to think that there's so many more people involved in a multi-million dollar uh, adventure. Yeah. Like, they have multiple Uh, editors. Yeah, which is crazy to me. How are you... You have to be in the same room. You cannot be in the same room. Yeah. But, like, it's got to be really tough to be like, I think it should be cut this way. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, take a pass at it, send it back... I'm going to take a pass at it. You know, like, I guess each team is going to be different, but when you are writing a film, you know, like you make a movie in three stages Mm -hmm. when you write it, when you make it, and then when you edit it, Mm -hmm. that's so, and I, I know this from experience that that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Like when we were making guilty Two, for example, which is one of, the movies that I've made Mm -hmm. like that changed and evolved through each stage of production. Just, just with whatever you wrote, what you wanted and then you film what you have and then you edit what you need. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I, and I think that that's the best thing about Kevin Smith's movies is that it's always, 100% him because he's writing them 
he's directing them and he's editing them. Yeah. So he gets to go through those three stages with that thing. And then he took this fucking movie on a 65 night tour of the country and got to and watched it every time with every crowd. Yeah. So like imagine writing it and knowing the film and filming it and knowing the film and spending all the time editing it and knowing the film and then fucking watching it 67 it's like 70 times cuz some night some places were two stop or yeah. like two shows. So that's a lot of time living with a movie. So he must love it at this point. He's got to either love it or like he's like okay, I'm going to take a break from watching this for a while. <laughs> But like, I don't know that if I were him, I don't think I'd ever watch it again after the tour was over. Honestly, because like he could probably fucking recite it right now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. With the stage direction. And, <laughs> like, and, and I guarantee you he's also sitting there thinking, well, this was what I had to cut out. You know, right. like there was this whole scene where they would go back and forth, you know, like here's stuff that I wrote that didn't get filmed. Here's stuff that I filmed yep. that didn't make the final cut. And that's probably all going to be rolled into because apparently he's doing Mallrats 2 and Clerks 3. So that's... I'm sure there's stuff that he had because he said a lot of this, a lot of the stuff in this was originally in the follow up to Mallrats that he was writing. Okay. So he kind of took, he Frankensteined parts of it and made it into this movie as opposed to having it for the Mallrats thing. Yeah. Um, overall, any final thoughts? Jane Silent Bob reboot. Well, it's available on Amazon Prime to watch. Uh, and if not, you could absolutely get the Blu-ray from anywhere. I think Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash is still selling it. Yeah. Or you could get it through Legion M. You could the probably Blu-ray's just get available it. like on yeah, the Blu-ray's available and, widely now. Yeah, yeah, Amazon. Um, yeah, so like it's definitely if you're a fan of his and you haven't seen this yet, are you a fan of his? Yeah, right. Um, um, but if you have seen it, it's a love letter to everything he's ever done. Yeah, like I said, fan service the movie, Easter egg the movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's. I was watching it this afternoon and there was stuff that I was picking up on that I didn't pick up on originally. Um, I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of the film. I respect Kevin Smith so much. Uh, I I look up to him as a director, as a writer, as an editor, especially. Um, And, and I really had a great time watching this movie in particular. Me too. It's fun, and I, leading up to my going to see it, I watched a couple of his films, not immediately back to back to back, like night after night, but we watched like, uh, we watched Dogma, and Clerks 2, and then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and then we went and saw this, because those were ones that I really wanted to touch back on, because I felt like they were probably going to have the most play. So and then previous to that, and then we we watched Chasing Amy, and then Dogma, and then because and that was the first time I'd ever seen Chasing Amy. That fucking movie's fantastic, which blew my mind when you told me that. I just had never seen it. So good, yeah. So it's fantastic, fucking movie. Um, I I was one moment that stood out to me in this movie was 
in that panel scene where Jay and Silent Bob sneak in and sit down, yeah. you see Kevin's brother and his mom sitting right in front, and his mom just has a huge grin <laughs> on her face. Like, she's so proud and having the yep. time of her life. And I just think that's really sweet, and I think that sums yep. up Kevin Smith's entire career. Like, and that was the that was also the the cameo for for Q from Impractical Jokers. Yeah, and we got who, uh, he was in the background of Dogma. He was in something else too. He was in another one of his movies. Yep, because he's friends with. <clears throat> I don't want to get his name fucked up. Brian Johnson, the beard guy yeah, from Brian Comic Johnson. Book Man. Uh, they do tell him Steve Dave. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just like seeing his mom with that huge smile like made my heart melt. And it makes me yeah. like realize that Kevin Smith's just like a normal dude. He's just like you and me. And like you said, he writes like you and me uh, talk. We talk. You yeah. know, like so seeing him be able to live his dreams and and go out and take this show on the road to like all those different cities and and yeah. stuff like it's inspiring to me it makes me want to be a better filmmaker um yeah so i love this movie couldn't wait to buy it on blu-ray i remember sitting there watching it and just like <laughs> man i can't wait to own this and i'm yeah. really glad that i do and i'm glad it's available on amazon prime so hopefully more people will See watch it, it and yep. be able to appreciate it and um for me it's it's not it's almost more personal to me cuz you you like him on a obviously like a personal level but like because of the person that he is but like on a professional level for me it's i know where he grew up like i lived 10 minutes from leonardo okay at one point when I was younger. So like, I'm fully aware of like the world that created him. Like the, the hockey scene in clerks, my uncle was big into hockey, big into fucking playing hockey like that. I know I I've been to rinks in New Jersey where they like play roller hockey. (laughs) Like there's outside roller rinks that they adults have leagues and shit. Yeah. Um, so it's just like knowing where he's from and just like seeing that he's done so much. Um, and I think like the Jersey thing kind of gets him a little bit farther with some people. Cause like he fucking knew Carlin yeah, and George Carlin is like the stand up God. <laughs> like he's, he's like here and like him and Richard Pryor, like, like, Carlin's my fucking favorite. Yeah. Bar none. And like the fact that he was in uh, Dogma and I believe he was in another one. It was probably Jersey Girl. I, that's one of the ones I haven't seen yet. <laughs> um, it's all right. It's yeah. not as bad as everyone makes it seem, I think, but <laughs> it's an okay movie. Yeah. But he's so he's in that. So like the fact that he just knows all these like it just it's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's uh, our review of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. So yeah. be sure to uh, let us know what you thought, obviously. Um, Did you, have you seen Jay and Silent Bob Reboot? What do you think of it? Do you like Kevin Smith movies or do you think he's a piece of shit? 
Um, were you surprised like Jordan was in the theater to see Ben Affleck back or had that been spoiled for you previously? Um, what else is there? So much shit. What's so your favorite shit. Kevin Smith movie? Yeah. What's your favorite Kevin Smith? movie? I don't know that I could answer that for you right off the top of my head. I would really have to think about it. Uh, <laughs> Dude. Red state was so good. Red state is so fucking good. I love that movie. That movie was fucking amazing. See, I, I need love to, I need to own that on Blu-ray. I don't own it, but that movie's so fucking good. That blew my mind. That's the most non-Kevin Smith movie. Oh, one hundred percent. But it's one. It's definitely in my top three. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't even think Cop Out's bad. No, I liked I Cop Out. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So let us know what your favorite Kevin Smith movie is. If you like this one, if you didn't like this one, what your favorite cameo was from this one. If you want to reach us on the social medias, it's very simple. It is just Pop Cannon with a K. I don't know if, if will this be backwards? Maybe. <laughs> Who cares? It's a K instead of a C because we have to brand shit. So. <laughs> It's it's um, like uh, the the periodic table symbol for potassium, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the K. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, of course. Every every kiss begins with it. Right, and that's why we chose it because we kiss all the time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, at Pop Cannon, <laughs> if you want to do us a solid and follow us individually, because like we're two individuals, we have thoughts, we retweet some funny stuff, and we post some Sometimes. stuff. Um. But yeah, so I could be found on Twitter and Instagram at JL24FPS. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Yesball. And uh, obviously, the coronavirus has wreaked havoc not only on the planet, but the slate of episodes we were planning to release, because all of the movies got bumped. Uh, <laughs> so we're kind of scrambling to figure out what to give you in terms of content. And, um, we might get some older films that we've never been able to talk about possibly in this format, because some people are handling the quarantining a little differently than others. <laughs> that's sure. That's one way to put it. Yeah. yeah. So tell us if you like this format. Yes, if you please hate do. looking at one of our faces, directly tweet at us and say, I hate your fucking face. Stop doing video. I never want to see this again. And then we'll we'll probably just take your advice, honestly. Probably. One person. It's going to take one it person was. to say that. And then we're done. We're going to cancel the podcast. It's over. <laughs> COVID claims another victim. <laughs> so, uh, once again, for Pop Cannon, my name is Jordan. This has been my hetero life mate, Robert. Uh, it's me. Stay tuned for more content, hopefully coming very, very soon. We're still doing a Pop Cannon 30-day challenge on yeah, our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. So go ahead, screenshot it, play along. April just started. Now's a great time to jump in and start doing them daily. Um, Dive and, in. And to steal a line from Chris Hemsworth, dishes are done, man. <laughs> uh peace we didn't even talk about the hemsworth fucking cameo oh so fucking good mm-hmm.